You're listening to the Smash Your Unsealing podcast. I'm your host, Barbara Nixon, and I'm so excited you're here. This is a place for you to boost your confidence, become limitless, and grow like never before. Because there's one thing I know for sure, success begins with you. Let's get started. Hey, Barbara here, and welcome to another episode of the Smash Your Unsealing podcast. Now, today, I'm really excited to be sharing a fantastic conversation that I had with the amazing Heidi Dawson, all about emotional intelligence. Now, I've known Heidi for about 10 years, and she's a coach and therapist who supports individuals and organizations on their learning and development journeys through equine-facilitated learning programs, ably assisted by her wonderful team of four equine co-facilitators. Now, what I loved about this conversation was we really unpicked the practical elements of emotional intelligence and how we can actually weave them in and use them to benefit our day-to-day lives, relationships, and confidence. So if you haven't already, go grab your notebook and pen because you want to take note of some of the, the tips that we share so that you can start to use them and see how they benefit you. Before we dive in, though, I want to let you know that the doors are open for the 2023 cohort of the Leaders Circle Mastermind. Now, we kick off in January next year, and it is a mastermind, especially for managing directors and senior leaders in business who are craving space to hit the reset and recharge button to think and learn more about themselves, how they work best, get the most out of their team and improve how their feeling is showing up every day. Now, over the years, I've worked with hundreds of senior leaders. And one thing that people say to me all the time is how lonely it can be and that it'd be great to have dedicated time and space to unravel some of the things that are getting in your way. Things like how to get the work-life balance that you really, really want without dropping any balls, how to get out of the weeds and stop being stuck in reactive mode and have more time to be proactive and strategic and actually feel like the leader that you are. Now, the Leader Circle Mastermind will allow you to do just that. Together with a small, intimate group of like-minded people, you'll work on your mindset, your habits, your behaviours and your confidence so you can actually grow in a safe environment. It's a 10-month commitment where we'll meet face-to-face for a day a month and you'll also get one-to-one coaching too. Numbers are deliberately kept small, so if you are interested and you just want to learn more about it, do click the link below on the show notes to book a no-obligation call, and we'll talk through whether it's the right thing for you. Okay, let's dive into today's episode. Hey, Heidi, how are you doing? Welcome. How are you? I'm really good. I'm so pleased that you're here. This is something that we've not done before, so I'm really excited. Yeah, it's good. We should have done it years ago. I don't know why we haven't done it before now. Well, I know I've only had a podcast for a year, so maybe that's what it is. That wasn't top of the <laughs> Yeah, maybe I should have done it ages ago. But just to give a bit of insight, we've known each other for a long time, haven't we? Yeah. I, I can't even remember how many years it's been. It's at least, oh, at least eight years. Mm, eight years. It might be even longer. Mm, it could um, be. It might be even longer. So eight years, we've been friends, we've been business buddies, you know, all the way through that time. And I I can't remember how we became friends, but we kind of became just kindred spirits, didn't we? Because we've got a lot in common. And every so often we catch up over a cuppa. I've got my cuppa now. Have you got a cuppa? No, I haven't. I slipped up there, didn't I? I have just had one, though. Oh, it's all right, then. So we chat over a cuppa or we message each other just to keep each other going. Um, so I'm really giddy about you being here. So everybody can learn just how amazing you are. So the first question, the way that I always start every single um, interview is, where do you want to start, Heidi? Um, well, as I'm 57 now, I probably don't want to go right back to the very beginning. <laughs> We have got a finite amount of time and um, probably start with what brought me to doing what I do and to um, to make that shift from my corporate career to to being self-employed, I guess, really, because I had a quite a, a reasonable 15 um, year career, corporate career as a health and safety professional. Um, but I sort of started in that that world when health and safety was very much around the spirit of health and safety and and quite quickly over a period of time it changed something fundamental changed in it where it became about compliance and um quite frankly um covering backsides and ticking boxes which really wasn't my thing at all 
but what it did show to me, um, much to my amazement, was that I actually am really interested in people when I never thought I was a, a people person at all. So um, back in the middle of the 90s, alongside my health and safety career, I trained as a hypnotherapist um, and kind of had that going as a bit of a side hustle for, for a few years um, and really sort of got to appreciate um, how wonderful people can be um, and how helping them deal with their challenges can really unlock and help them to, to blossom um, and really sort of recognise their own potential. Um, so, so that kind of went on as a side hustle for a few years. And then via a convoluted route, I, I was made redundant and ended up um, working for the Environment Agency as a consultant um, and was doing a lot of stuff around community engagement on the flood defence schemes. And again, it became all about people and helping people to feel empowered, to, to have a voice. Um, so, and that was really challenging. It's not something that I would ever want to go back to because it mainly involved standing there being shouted at for a lot of the time. Fortunately, I'm quite resilient on that front. Um, but I was really lucky that the Environment Agency gave me nine months notice that my contract was coming to an end. So it gave me that opportunity to say, right, OK, what do I really want to do now? So I decided that I wanted to to jump fully into um, supporting people on their development journey. So in 2006, I trained as a, a coach. Um, to kind of sit alongside my my hypnotherapy and NLP, um, and I and I trained with an organisation that gave me a, a wonderful transformational model to work with, which also meant that I wasn't kind of fixed to working in one particular area either, because although I was quite keen to escape that sort of world of commerce and industry etc., I really quickly missed it. So, so my my practice when I first started out was very much around um, personal coaching and business coaching. So, so a lot around the crossover, the link between the two, um, because we were kind of just getting to that point where people were starting to openly say that we no longer come to work and leave our personal lives on the doorstep there was much more of an acknowledgement that there was a, a massive crossover between the two. And I honestly don't know how we got away with avoiding it for as many years as we did. But hey, that's where we were. So for me, being able to support somebody through the growth and development of their business and also make sure that was in balance with their, their personal life was just really valuable because I, I do believe that we work to live, not live to work. Um, but it's very easy to get sucked in the wrong direction when you're passionate about your business. Um, so that was that was all going along really nicely for a couple of years. And then um, coaching became much more popular and lots of people were suddenly sort of putting themselves out there as coaches. And I just thought, you know, it's time to do something different. And I started getting all sorts of weird, random things dropping into, into my inbox and um, popping up on Facebook, et cetera, about um, working with horses and how horses can support people. And I've always been totally horsey, never had my own, but would go and, you know, talk to the passing police horse or whatever. I'm just as a kid used to spend every moment I could at the riding stables to earn a free ride, um, but could never ever justify having my own in my own head. Um, so then when these things started popping into my inbox and um, onto my timeline about working with horses to support people, and it was all in the States. Um, so I was kind of looking at it and thinking, you know, that would be a nice thing to do. And then it became no, that's an important thing to do. And then it became, no, that's something I need to do. Um, and then it became something I want to do. And then all of a sudden it was available in the UK as a, a training programme as well. So right at the start of 2010, went off, did my training, um, wasn't happy with the training. So did some more training with somebody else. And um, that's just led me on this amazing journey um, that's taken me from no horses to four horses. Um, and I have to say, my husband didn't even know I was horsey when we got married. So that's been a big journey for him. 
<laughs> um, and yeah, here I am now with four horses running a, a social enterprise, Glint, um, where we, um, the, the enterprise side of our work, the commercial side is supporting individuals and organisations on their um, kind of their development journey. So leadership, team development, workplace well-being, things like that. And then that goes to support the work that we do and partly subsidise the work that, that I do, um, supporting people with mental health and well-being challenges, um, sort of teenagers and adults who are um, struggling with mental health and well-being. Amazing. What a journey, right? That's a good place to start, isn't it? <laughs> if any. Amazing. So there's loads of things that I kind of want to go back and unpick, if that's all right. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so the first thing is, right at the very beginning, when you were a health and safety um, professional in your corporate career, and you said that you started to think about what you wanted to do, what how did you go about that process? You know, just sitting down and go, okay, I've had this career, I've been in corporate, and those of us, I, I've got, I had a corporate background as well. You can get really cocooned in that corporate kind mm. of bubble, can't you? Mm. And so when, when you escape, it can feel like, you know, when you, there's so much choice, what, what is it that I want now? So how did you make that decision to go from health and safety to, I know you, you, you walked into hypnotherapy and you, you explored hypnotherapy and coaching. What, Wait, how did you go through the process of actually deciding what you wanted to do? I'm not sure that all of it was a conscious decision. I think a lot of it was was wearing away my subconscious. So even in my health and safety career, I found that I was doing a lot of stuff around um, empowering staff members who might have been sort of lower down in the organisational structure and might be questioning whether they should do something just because their manager told them that they should. And so I was doing work around empowerment with them through that health and safety um, lens, but then seeing how how people then start to take responsibility for themselves and and their well-being um, just in that really narrow field. And it, it, it was obviously triggering something in me that was was leading that to be more and more important um, to the extent that um, I'd always had an inkling that I fancied to have my own business, but had never really known what I wanted that to be about. And then it just started to form in my mind that actually this this whole thing about empowering people and getting people to recognize their their own value and skills and contribution and just general general wonderfulness really became something really important for me so it was kind of something that that grew but it grew to a point where I couldn't ignore it any longer yeah and I think this is really really powerful because you mentioned that obviously you get you were getting these signs weren't you of coming work, work with horses and mm -hmm. it was something that you went by your own admission, went from, so this is something that's nice to do, to something that I need to do, to something that I actually really want to do, I can't not do now. Mm -hmm. And that in itself is a really great, powerful journey. So how yeah. long did that process take, considering you were already a, a horsey person? Um, that was actually... It's funny, I can remember the exact time when I announced that that's what I was going to do, because um, three friends and I, who we all started our businesses at the same time in, in Huddersfield, and we became quite close friends. One of them is still my my just about my best friend now. And we, we used to get together, we formed this little group where we looked at marketing, we called ourselves the Marketing Coven. <laughs> we were the witches of Huddersfield in our Marketing Coven. And, and I really clearly remember that I'd got to this point where I was feeling frustrated with, with just doing sort of therapy and coaching that was making a difference, but I felt that there was something more. It wasn't really fulfilling for me. And I'd started, um, I've always been a bit creative and, I, and I'd started making silver jewellery. And... Um, we were having this conversation in in our coven about where we were going next with our with our businesses and our lives and how things were going to go and we'd all 
we'd written down what we thought we were going to to do and I'd written down that I was going to be this amazing um silver jewelry artist and so we all talked around what we were going to do and when it got to me I said I've written down that I'm going to be this amazing silver jewelry creator but I'm not I'm I want to go and do this and it was just I couldn't I couldn't deny it any longer and they all sat there and laughed at me and came up with all sorts of names for my for my new venture really patronizing things horsing around with Heidi with being the standout one <laughs> um <laughs> but it was just it got to a point where I couldn't contain it any longer and I know that's the first time that I said this is what I'm going to do and and probably that was over a maybe a three-month period from it suddenly appearing really frequently in my timeline and inbox to me saying right this isn't something I can run away from and deny any longer didn't know how I was going to do it so that would have been in probably November December 2009 and by the end of December, I was booked on the course to start January straight after Christmas. Yeah, I love the, that you said, I didn't know how I was going to do it, but that didn't matter. You know, so often we get caught up in the how, don't we? And we worry about, well, how's it going to happen? Have I got everything that I need? But that's not up to us, you know? Yeah. We, just need, we need to just declare it, as you've said. You said you announced it, you couldn't contain it any longer. And it was in that moment that you literally just put that flag in the sand and went, this is me, this is what I'm going to do now. Yeah. Um, and I think that's so important, isn't it, for anybody listening, that if you've got an inkling of something, you need to just claim it, yeah, put your flag in the sand, announce it, declare it, and say, this is it. Yeah, yeah. Even if, and I know you, when you declared it to your to your cover and to your friends that you said um they, they said they had some patronizing names and, and there was just laughing about it and they might not have understood the seriousness of yeah yeah what, what you were doing no. even if sometimes you get people around you that just don't understand and that's okay I still have those people around me and you know to a degree to a huge degree I didn't really know what I was saying either I didn't know how I didn't know what a powerful journey that was going to take me on um I didn't know that it wasn't going to just be Heidi being fanciful about having an excuse to be with horses um because I I didn't know what it was going to look like um I certainly didn't know the journey it was going to take me on mm, but look at you now so here we are how many years has it been um 12 right 12 years mm. so I remember and it was might have been around the time that we first met actually I came on one of your sessions I think you were doing an introductory session and I, I think maybe you only had two horses at the time or maybe I can't remember can you remember Possibly. Yeah, because I, I think you've been twice, haven't you? You've, I think you've had two experiences with me. One was, um, it would have been a CIPD event. Yeah. And right. then you also came up to Bolster Moor, I think, didn't you? And did a session up there with me with... Um, I don't know whether I did that. I, could, I can't remember that last one, but I certainly can remember the first one, which was, I think you had Billy, which was your smaller pony. Was it Billy? Have I just made that name up? No, I, I did have Billy. Um, if if I'd got Billy, then I had three horses at the time. So Gertie was the little one, the, the naughty Oh, Gertie was the little yeah. one, yes. And I don't know why, I, yeah. I but definitely remember Billy. Gertie and Zara. <laughs> yeah. So I, I came on this session, and maybe I did do two, and I can't remember the other one. Maybe it'll come back to me. But... Um, I, I was talking about this with a client the other day because I was a coach back. I've always been a coach, but I was, I, um, I got invited by you uh, to come along for an introductory session. And I don't think I understood just how powerful it was going to be for me as a coach in terms of um, enhancing my development. Because when you go on uh, coaching qualification, you do the standard qualification. Yeah. Um, but this one took me to a, a different level. So I just want to, 
let's just talk about the experience with horses because obviously you work with horses we've not actually talked about what you do but we worked with you work with horses um and tell us a little bit more about why horses are so powerful in terms of your work okay so the the underlying premise is that horses are incredibly emotionally intelligent so whenever we're whenever we're with them their first thoughts are always around how we make them feel do they feel safe are we going to eat them they're prey animals so emotional intelligence is how they keep themselves safe so they're constantly reading the energy in the environment around them they also don't spend all their time in their heads if they did they would be eaten by wolves and mountain lions so mm-hmm. so they're listening to what their bodies are telling them all the time rather than um filtering everything through the process of their brain um so so they respond very quickly very immediately and then they might go away and have a think about things afterwards but that's where the fight flight freeze comes from um that they they respond based on what their body is telling them about the situation they find themselves in which makes them amazing learning partners for us because they're giving us instant feedback about how we're performing around them so they're they're kind of mirroring back to us how we're doing um how we're performing the impact we're having on them and conversely the impact they're having on us and how that's making us respond because it's really important that we acknowledge how we impact other people and how other people impact on us as well so the horses are showing us that all the time and every time we we make a a change or an adjustment based on on what they've shown us then they then show us how effective that has been yeah so you get that instant feedback yeah and I I remember because I'm not a horsey person I've never been really I've never been one to go for horse riding lessons when I was little and I appreciate horses and I really like them as animals you know Mm. I'm a massive animal lover so I I would go and pet a horse that was you know if I saw one behind a fence and things sometimes I'd go and say hello uh, but I might not gravitate towards a police horse. Like I know you said that you did. I probably <laughs> won't go that far. Um, and I wouldn't, I think I've been on a horse once at a school residential. So I just want to put that into context that I'm not, I'm not, it's not something that I was familiar with. No. Even though I'm a huge animal lover. So when I went, I didn't really know what to expect. But um, I understood about emotional intelligence and I understood about the, the need to think about your own, you know, your own frequency, your own vibration and your own mm-hmm. energy and how that was actually passing on to other people. Because as a human, we can feel it, right? We can, yeah. there's been loads of times, I'm sure, if you that we've been into a room and we can't quite connect with something or something feels off about somebody or you just, the energy just feels brilliant or it doesn't feel right. Yeah. And so even if we can't, we don't understand the science behind it or how it's actually happening, we've all experienced it, right? And so I understood it from this perspective, um, but it really cemented that because you're right, the horses give immediate feedback. And I remember, and I don't know whether you do, there was a lady on the session and she was a little, maybe a little bit nervous and the horses totally reacted to that. And they started running around a bit more and, um, and I, I was lucky to be at one end of the, I don't know what you call it, a field, a paddock? I don't know the term. Yeah, it was the paddock we were working in, wasn't it, yeah. Yeah, a paddock. And I was, I was fortunate to kind of be a little bit further away and just watching it play out and seeing just how when she changed her, her energy and her emotions, then the horses responded completely differently. Yeah. And this is something that I held dear to me throughout the my entire coaching career because I because I understand how important it is for me as a coach and a guide to watch out for my energy Mm, and watch out for that and so let's let's dive into that a bit because you mentioned emotional intelligence and this is a phrase that gets banded around a lot doesn't it and I kind of want to just delve into what without going I don't want to go into all theory and being all you know too uh, too deep on this but because I'm interested in how we can practically apply it because we I was lucky to work with you and your horses but maybe we haven't got that 
opportunity or maybe we can't get close to any animals by the way does it work with all animals so I, I know I'm a dog person but is it just is it just horses would get this experience from um no but different animals will present differently depending on on where they are I guess in the food chain <laughs> yeah, so dogs, you know, I'm a big dog lover as you know um and and dogs they're the hunters they're the predators they're the ones that would be going out to eat the horses so they're coming from a completely opposite perspective and whilst there are some similarities in terms of um sort of hierarchies and social um social support and things like that there are also huge differences Mm. and um Yes, dogs are emotionally intelligent, but it's it's kind of they're not they're not very honest a lot of the time. They know they know how to play us. Yeah. Your dog yeah. knows how to play you and make sure that you give it a treat by looking at you longingly or it'll learn a trick with its paw or whatever. And not just yours, mine do the same or did. Um and horses don't do that. They they don't do that manipulation thing. Um they're, they're much more genuine because they're more about their safety, whereas dogs are more about food. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you asked, I asked that question, actually, because you're right. My dog completely plays me. Yeah. yeah. We're wrapped around his little paw. paw. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> going back to emotional intelligence, then let's talk about the practical practicalities of it. When we talk about emotional intelligence, what is it that we mean? For me, I think it's really important to keep it simple because you can go off on all sorts of scientific theories but the the simple way I like to look at it is around two areas one is um awareness of self and of others and our emotions um and then to take that into an acknowledgement that any any emotion that we experience or that somebody else experiences generates energy and that energy ripples out from us, different frequencies for, for different moods, different emotions. And so that's what we're feeling. And it's that that awareness, listening to what your body is telling you about the energy and the environment around you, rather than always being in your head. Yeah, and that last bit is so key, isn't it? Just listening to your own body, checking in with what exactly is going on, yeah. rather than just being in your own head, as you say. Yeah. So how how do we do that practically? What can we do, especially in these in today's life? We're very busy. Most of us are really busy people. From the second we get up to the second we go to bed, we're kind of on this treadmill. And I was talking about this just today, actually, about creating space for yourself to get out of that so that you can start to be a little bit more soul-centred, you know, mm-hmm. and start checking in. But what what can we do to start stretching those muscles and teaching ourselves how to check in with how, how things are going with not just us, but with what's around us as well? And one of the things that that I didn't do when I first started out with with this work but it was kind of as my understanding of energy and emotional intelligence has has grown over the years one of the things that I think is really important is to acknowledge where you are where you're at here and now before you go off to do something so for example when I work with with my clients before we go out to work with the horses the very first thing we do whether it's an individual or a group is we stand with our eyes closed and I'll talk you through a body scan so you're checking in with all the different parts of your body to see how everything's feeling not in a judgmental way just acknowledging what's going on And by doing that, we start to recognize where different emotions rest in our bodies because um, we experience different emotions in different parts of our body. So you might feel anxiety in your stomach. I might feel it as a fluttery feeling in my chest. You might feel um, joy in your heart. I might feel it as a tingling feeling in my hands. And so it's really important that each of us acknowledges where we experience those different emotions and if we don't know how what state our body is in here and now then we can't detect those changes very readily mm-hmm. and and it's really important because with and with emotions like 
anxiety and excitement, for example, they're very, very similar. They're, some people say they're two sides of the same coin. Um, they're very, very closely aligned and they've got a very similar frequency. But for the majority of people, if you listen to your body, one will appear in one place in your body and the other will appear somewhere else. That doesn't mean that they don't overwhelm and take over, but they will start somewhere and it won't be the same place for each emotion. It won't be the same place for each person either. But until we become really aware of that, then it's hard for us to, to notice when when changes happen as well. Yeah. It's just about really getting familiar with yourself, isn't it? With yeah. your, yeah. your the internal self. Um, and I do something very similar that you do before you see a, a you've got somebody come in to you, a, a client come in. Is before I go see a client, I, usually whether it's um, I'm at home or whether you know I'm in the car just arriving there, I sit for a moment. I always give myself at least five minutes, you know, five ten minutes, and I sit and I do the same. I close my eyes and I go, okay, let's check in with where I am, mm-hmm. um, and I also set an intention as well, you know, and set an intention for the session in terms of my my role and bringing my best self to the table. But it's so important when you just do that, taking those, you know, a snapshot of time. And it, we've all got five minutes. Yeah. All, even as I remember when my, you know, my kids were little and I had everybody running around the house. We always had five minutes. Yeah. To just go, okay, what, where am I feeling everything? And sometimes it can feel all jumbled up. But when you start to really dissect it, you can feel it in certain parts of your body, can't you? Absolutely, yeah. And and for my clients, we do that before, before we then go out to work with the horses because it might be that for one client, just the fact that I say, right, let's go out and meet the horses could trigger something in them. For somebody else, it could be when they put the hand on the gate. For somebody else, it could be when they go through the gate. And then when they get to the horses, it could be another feeling altogether and, and they'll feel differently with each horse. If we haven't taken that time to, to really check in with ourselves, then we don't, we're not aware of those subtle changes. It just becomes an overwhelming thing. Yeah, it just, it just become a jumbled mess in, in yeah. your body, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and then it's hard to determine who or what is making you feel anything in particular because it is just that that big mess yeah yeah I I remember when when I was going through uh my fear of uh state of my stage fright period Mm. a while back a few years back and I remember um I was going to do some stand-up because it was part of my my experiment that I created for myself to get out of this uh, stage fright. And before I went on stage, I was the most terrified that I've ever been, ever. And I remember sitting there because I knew it was an experiment and I'd put myself in that situation. I did the same. I was sat on a, a bar stool in the middle of this comedy club surrounded by people. And I was in the audience, like at the back of the room. I remember just sitting there for five minutes, drowning everybody out, going, okay, I'm feeling this here. I'm feeling my heart's beating fast. You know, it's pounding against my chest. Is it really pounding? No, actually it feels like it's just beating. It's just beating a little bit faster. Okay. So my breathing's a little bit, you know, faster. Okay. So let's talk, let's just talk about that. Let's just analyze it. And by going through that, that fight, we only took five minutes. By going through that five minutes and piecing, taking out the jigsaw pieces of, uh, of this puzzle, all of a sudden, my fear just kind of evaporated mm-hmm. and I was able to do what I needed to do just with, with confidence then. But again, it, it just allowed me to take myself out and remove myself from the situation rather than become the fear. Yeah. And I th- for me, I think there are two elements to that as well. It's around, partly it's about saying, right, okay, how, how big is that really? Yeah. You know, how, how big or how extreme is that feeling really and, and putting it into perspective but also that two minutes that five minutes that you've taken to focus on those different elements also um takes your mind away from that overwhelming fear of 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 the 
the performance, the anxiety. So, so it's working on two levels, isn't it? It's kind of quantifying what's going on, but also taking your mind down a different avenue yeah, as well. Absolutely. It just takes you out of that hole, doesn't it? Mm. The other thing that I remember now that you've said this is when I was I was going through this period, sat, at the, sat on this bar stool, and at the very end, once I'd finished going through all the different elements, I remember looking out to the audience and going, oh, the they're just having a good time. They're just, mm. and so all of a sudden their energy, I picked up on their energy of just them having, you know, happiness and joy and they're all on a night out and they were all there cheering everybody on. And, and that energy then became, replaced the energy that I was feeling inside. Yeah. And it kind of did it twofold where I checked in and then I started on the external and I didn't do that bit consciously. It was just the next kind of step. So what, like, I want to talk about that. It's a two-way street, isn't it? Yeah. You know, everybody's energy is affecting everybody. And it's when those, you know, we each have a ripple of energy that goes out. And when our, our ripples coincide with somebody else's, it's like throwing a stone into a pond. When all those ripples coincide and come together, then it becomes something other than just ours. Yeah. And so, so it's, it kind of... Um, there's a, a synergistic effect, I suppose. Really, I've I've never used that phrase. But I was going to say that's an ace word. You're going to hear that word coming from both of us. <laughs> synergistic, it says. Um, well, you're absolutely right. We can come. We can think of ourselves all too often as lone entities, kind of doing our thing. But we, that's just not how it is at all. We're all connected. We're all all got an energy. We've all got a frequency, and yeah. we. we and vibration and we're picking up on that all the time because we are just animals you know and our personal frequencies are changing all the time depending on what's going on for us what our mood is what it's all energy but it's different frequencies of energy different vibrations yeah so So it's oh we could talk about this forever the one (laughs) thing i kind of want to just pick up on is you know those moments where you go in you walk into a room and i'm thinking networking or you're going into maybe an interview or something that's a little bit out of your comfort zone that just feels a bit different Mm -hmm. and you're meeting different people and there's that element of pressure on you and you know those moments where you just you're just not feeling it or you don't you just feel out of alignment or you might be picking up on somebody else's energy what can we do to recalibrate in that moment you know so that we so sorting out our own side of the street, you know, cleaning our own side of the street before, rather than just thinking, oh, it was that person. Oh, I didn't like that person. You know, how can we sort ourselves out first? I, I think um, being able to determine what is ours and what is somebody else's is, yeah. is really, and again, that comes back to, to that quick body scan, I suppose, isn't it? You know, just taking that moment to take a deep breath and think how much of this is them and how much is me. Um, and, when I guess when when you can acknowledge what's yours and what's somebody else's, that then puts you in a really powerful position to be able to change it, mm. particularly if you know and believe as we do that our energy impacts on other people just as much as theirs does on us. So we have the power to go into a room that feels uncomfortable and change that energy. Yes. And but we've all done it. Awareness. Yeah. And we do this all the time, probably without even realising it. Um, and that's the beauty of it. Once you start becoming aware of your your own energy and and how you're feeling and having that just five minutes or two minutes to check in, we're then now able to influence, impact, change the 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 mood of the room, you know, the the, yeah. the even the conversation or the situation you know that you've had interaction with you've had with one or other person it becomes a more positive experience doesn't it absolutely yeah yeah oh i mean you could take it in the other direction and it could be a really negative experience it's that it's within our realm to do something about it and that's one of the things i love about working with the horses because before i started working with the horses there was always a lot of stuff around fake it till you make it Mm. Um, but you can't fake it with the horses. Mm. So you've got to be real with it. 
um if if you go in with the horses and you're faking it they go with the energy that they can feel that's inside um so if you're not being congruent if if your body language is saying one thing but your energy is saying another your energy is what they go with mm. and i think that's a really powerful message in terms of why do we need to fake it if we if we can get in touch with our energy and emotions and recognize how powerful they are we don't actually need to fake it we can make it real um, because we can influence those those situations those people around us by by managing our own energy and emotions you're absolutely right it just takes a little bit of practice because these are muscles that we just haven't stretched enough yet Uh, so you're you're absolutely right this is a learned behavior Mm. we can all learn how to do this it doesn't have to be oh no i'm I'm not, you know, I'm not confident enough to do that. All right. You know, we can label ourselves in so many different ways. But if if we give ourselves permission to go, okay, that's how I've behaved in the past. Or that's how I've um, reacted to things in the past. I can learn to change that. I can learn to control it or just be more in tune and connected with our our own energy. Mm. I'm sure that you'll have experienced the same thing where you might have been going into, I don't know, a meeting or going to have a chat with somebody who you don't necessarily feel all that positive about going to see because you've had a bad experience with them in the past. And you've allowed that to continue because you've bought into that negative interaction as well. And just by saying, right, okay, I'm going to do it differently this time. And I'm going to go in and I'm going to go in with a different attitude. It doesn't matter what attitude that person brings into the mix. The fact that you've changed your attitude, you've changed your emotion, your energy. They can't continue with their old pattern because it takes two to make the pattern continue. And if you've changed it, then it it can't happen. Yeah. And that's, it's just really valuable to know that it's just about setting that intention before you go into that room or into that situation and think, okay, this is what I want to, to bring to the, to part, to the party. This is the, the end result that I want. Um, And not the, the, you know, whether it's success or failure end result is what we're talking about is this is the relationship that you want to have with somebody, the experience you want to have with somebody. Um, And that's so, so powerful. It is incredibly powerful. Yeah. So let's look at some practical tips that somebody can use straight away today. If they're listening to this, they go, right, we're going to have a go. I'm interested in this. What can they do? What do you reckon? One of the things that I find really useful, and it was a technique, it's a hypnotherapy and NLP technique, but I've kind of adapted it for clients working with the horses, but just because that's where we're at at the time is to find something to anchor to that that takes you back to a a comfortable space when you might be feeling uncomfortable so um at the moment I'm working with somebody who's um dealing with a lot of anxiety about particular situations so what I've had her do and I'll talk about what we've done with the horse and then we can see how you can do it much more simply is have her place her hands on the horse time her breathing with the horse's breathing and feel the warmth of the horse's hair and body under her hands and feel the horse's energy helping hers to come down um, and sort of really getting in touch with how that feels under her hands so so that that sensation becomes an anchor for her and then when she goes into whatever the stressful situation is, she takes herself back to that that feeling of of the warmth and the and the breathing and the movement under her hands. And so that becomes an anchor that immediately takes her back to that that place of quiet and calm. And we can do that with anything. We can do it with um Let's see here, yeah. Anchor, isn't it? Warm your hands round, yeah. Um it's it's good if you can do it with something that's that's physically with you all the time so um one the quickest and easiest way to do it is just doing something really simple like you know putting your finger and thumb together and squeezing and you know you can you can use that to program all sorts of responses in your body to to, I, I used to 
um years ago when I was a when I was a biker chick um <laughs> I developed a bit of anxiety because I kept dropping my bike it kept falling over and I wasn't strong enough to pick it up and so it became a bit of a thing that I was worrying about dropping my bike so I dropped my bike and um so I started working on that that I I programmed my mind so that if I started feeling those anxious feelings coming on I I developed an anchor where if I squeezed my hand into a fist then I filled my body with confidence and um positivity so so that was just squeezing my hand I didn't need to have a thing with me and and it worked and I got past that block and then I stopped worrying about dropping my bike and so then I stopped dropping my bike um so it doesn't have to be that you take yourself off to some you know land of wonder in a field with a horse <laughs> just do it you can just um, do it here and now as we're sat talking it's just creating that that trigger that anchor for yourself yeah and again, it's so, so powerful. We do this in, with my clients as well. And sometimes if you're wearing a ring, you might just want to twizzle your ring or just, you know, you might want to rub your hands together. Or it could be anything. It could be anything. But um, so powerful. So that's tip number one. What do you reckon for, for number two? Something practical that we can do. Um, I really like the power of, of breath. Mm. um just taking the time to focus on on your breathing and and to play with your breathing so if if you're breathing at um I don't know five inhalations um a minute then then turn it up or turn it down so that you can really show yourself how in control you can be of your your body's functioning and and when we control our breathing, we're also then controlling our heart rate because the two are really closely linked together. Mm-hmm. So so playing around with controlling your your rate of breathing has a big impact on your heart rate. And and our heart rate is one of the first things that we generally notice if we're feeling anxious about something. Um, so being able being able to turn you breathing back then turns back your heart rate and so then everything starts to 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 settle and slow so again a really quick and easy thing that we can all do yeah you can we can literally do that while we're sat on the sofa watching tv or you know putting the kids to bed or wherever just just being more aware of our breath Mm. rather than and and i think also being Again, I'm going to use the same word, intentional about our breath, because sometimes we're just breathing. We're not, to, we, obviously, we need to breathe, but it's happening subconsciously all the time. Yeah. And it's there's so, so much power in just taking a few deep breaths. Absolutely. Yeah. And there are lots of our lots of our body functions that we can't control. Like we can't actually control the speed at which our heart beats. But the speed at which our heart beats is determined by how much oxygen we've got coming into our bodies and things like that. So if we control our body, our heart rate, sorry, the secondary effect is in controlling our heart rate. Mm. You can't just directly go to your heart and say, right, slow down heart, but you can control your breathing and help your heart to become a, a slower beat. And then all those sensations of um sort of your heart racing and the adrenaline pumping around your body etc they all subside just yeah. from you controlling your heart rate yeah and, and, and your breathing, rate, your breath rate. Your breathing. you know i'm so pleased that we can't control our heart rate and go oh heart i just want to just slow you down for that i wouldn't be able to trust myself <laughs> where does that end where does that end like kidney i want you to just do this um <laughs> okay what about tip number three then oh tip number three where to go with that one um one of the things that I really like to do with my clients is um and it isn't necessarily as a process it's not a quick experience but but you can do it quickly if if you want and need to so um one of the exercises that we quite often do is to just go away and sit in a space and um either think about or write down all the things that you can see here any thoughts and any feelings that you're experiencing um 
and and it's a really good way of getting present and not being sucked down a, a dark alley so you know you can do it as a whole exercise where you go and sit for 15 minutes and and write all those things down and don't get sucked into the thoughts about the things that you're writing down or you can just do it really quickly and and notice one thing that you can see one thing that you can hear one thing that you can smell one thing that you can taste or or a thought or a feeling and and just by doing that you're bringing yourself back to the here and now rather than um, sort of getting sucked into and drawn into that pattern of of anxiety or worry or fear. Yeah, that's a really good one. And again, that's something that we can do anywhere. Yeah. yeah. So before maybe you're doing a presentation or before you're going into a job interview or before you're pitching yourself to a new client, it's something that you can really do to centre yourself. Yeah. So, fantastic tips. Thank you. That's so good. Um, last question then, Heidi. I ask everybody this question and you are not getting off the hook. What, <laughs> have you got a book that you could recommend to everybody that's impacted you? Yeah, there's a particular book that I love and it's not a really deep intellectual book, but it really resonates with, with me and what I'm about and my work, etc. And it's um it's a book by Charlie Mackerson. It's quite popular at the moment, although I've been aware of it for, for a lot of years. And um it's called The Boy. I always get these animals the wrong way around. The Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse. Um, and it's a beautiful book. It's got Charlie Mackers is actually an artist. So it's got some beautiful, just really simple illustrations of, of the four parties in, in his in his book. Um, and then with really simple messages around being kind to others and yourself and um, having courage and um, asking for help. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just really simple messages that are around for me, what are really important but simple values to bring to life and to share with others as well. It's about respect and honesty and truth, um, but in a really simple and beautiful way. It's things that we just need to be reminded of, isn't mm-hmm. it? Especially yeah. in this day's busyness, busy yeah. world. Oh, I'm going to put all the links that um, to the book, but also I want to put links to you as well, Heidi, in the show notes. Where can people find you? Oh, definitely um, LinkedIn and Facebook. They're my go-to social media um, platforms. I don't do TikTok and Twitter and Insta and things like that. I'm a bit of a heathen there. Um, I've got my website, um, which which I love my website, but I'm told it's a Marmite website, so I'll be interested to hear what other people think on that. Um, but yeah, they're my, my three sort of main platforms yeah. um yeah fantastic we'll put all the links again on the show notes so you can go find and follow and connect with Heidi wherever she is which is fantastic it's been an absolute pleasure um Natterin, and I've been just having some time to have a, a proper chat um so thank you so much I was just thinking that we chat well, over a coffee about all the stuff but we've probably never had this deep conversation before but it's really lovely it's been really really lovely um so thank you so much and go connect with Heidi and I'll see you soon take care Thank you so much for listening to the Smash Run Ceiling podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it'd be great if you could hit the subscribe button and leave a review as it helps me to reach a lot more people. And if you know someone who will benefit from having a listen, please feel free to share. Have an amazing day and I'll see you next time.